Good evening, everybody, again. Last night, I offered you a greeting and salutation from Hafiz. And maybe tonight, we can give you one from Sadi. We are going to speak about Sadi and to read some of his poetry, which is in close connection to Muhyiddin al-Arabi. And I think that among Iranian poets, great poets, particularly lyric poets, Sadi is, ha, has been more influenced by the ideas, particularly the loving ideas uh, of Muhyiddin, not what he says about uh, theosophy, but what he says about love. And particularly, Tarjuman uh, al-Ashwaq, which is interpretation of desires has been reflected in the work of Sadi. Sometimes he, it may seem that he has translated either from Muhyiddin or from Ibn al-Faris. There is actually a poem by Ibn al-Faris and one by Muhyiddin calling to the camel driver that, oh, camel driver, please slow down. Don't go so swiftly because you are taking my heart with you. And this is exactly what Sadi says, Aisar ibn Ahistaran karam janam miravat. Then Sadi offers you a greeting. Zahi saadat man kem tu amadi be salam. It's a great blessing for me, Sadi says, that you have come to my greeting. You have come to my gathering. Welcome, all of you. Hoshamadi, this is Sadi. Hoshamadi, alayka salam. I return your greeting and uh, I wish you all the best. Greeting and salutation for Ibn al Faris and for Sadi and for Hafiz and for Muhyiddin al Arabi is a very important feature of the lover's life. Actually, Hafiz says, if all in your life you happen to offer a greeting to Salma, who is a symbol of the beloved, and then you hear back and your greeting is returned, that is sufficient for all your prosperity. And you are having the seal of Solomon in your finger if, if your salutation is returned by Salma. Now, Sadi, both in his uh, lyrics as well as in his Bustan, you know, in his Divan, he has his lyrics and his odes or ballads longer sort of sonnets, but very similar to sonnets. But in his Bustan and Gulistan, Sadi is more a preacher and a teacher. Of course, a very sweet teacher, and if he has any bitter medicine to heal people, he has covered the medicine with sweet honey. As he himself says, 
that uh, you won't feel the bitterness of my, my admonition, of my advice, because advice is something bitter. So he has, by his style, beautiful style, by his uh, diction, by his way of speaking, it is so fine and refined that it refines the jest even if there is any chiding. If there is any chiding, it is sweet chiding. In his Golestan, which is Rose Garden and Bustan, Golestan is mostly in prose interspersed with poetry. But Bustan is all poetry in the rhythm of Shahnameh. Actually, he has chosen the rhythm of epic for his uh, admonitions, for his teachings, and for his preaching. It is very strong. It has the authority of Ferdowsi, but in his own field. It is called Garden of Perfume, Bustan. We have Golestan and Bustan, Garden of Perfume. Now, in the third chapter of the Garden of Perfume, there is a part which has been entitled Love, Intoxication, Zeal, and Zest. This is the topic of the chapter. This, uh, actually, uh, on love, intoxication, and delirium. And sometimes they use the word madness. It is a harmonious madness in Persian literature, which is not discord, but it is all accord. A madness, usually madness is regarded as discord. And euphemistically, when they want to say such and such person is going mad, they say discord has fallen on the music of his mind. But there is a madness, as Shakespeare says, a very fine frenzy that is above reason. It is not below reason. So it is super harmony. And this is called delirium. It is called uh, madness. Now in this chapter, I have chosen some passages from this chapter, including some stories about music. Sadi is very bitter against those who have prohibited music. And there are many funny stories in both Golestan and Bustan, as well as in his uh, lyrics. Many references to people who do not accept music. And just like Shakespeare, who says, a person who makes no music, who has no music in himself, nor is not moved by the sweet concord of sounds, is fit for treason, for stratagem, and for spoil. His spirit is dark as Erebus, and let no such person be trusted. This is exactly sad, he says, but with a little bit of satire and uh, irony that um, I will tell you later the story of how he is criticizing those people who 
do not uh, listen to music and do not appreciate music. So may I ask one of our friends to start reading the first part is about reason and love, reason and illumination. And Sadi, like Muhyiddin, believes that reason has its own position. It has a lofty position. But when it comes to imagination and when it comes to illumination and insight and ishraq, which is um, actually a discovery of the heart, then uh, it is much higher than reason. And it is through our um, reason we can only uh, understand or be convinced that there is a God or there is a beloved. There is the daughter of the king of China. Daughter of the king of China in Persian literature means God. Daughter of the king of China, both Ferdos, sorry, Rumi, Attar, and Sadi, and Hafez, they use it to mean that that is the beauty of God. The daughter of the king of China, that is the beauty of God. So he says, some people just convince themselves through reason that there is, okay, there is a, a, such a beautiful fair lady in the world. But there are some people, they are the lovers, who say, well, where is she? How can we go to China? Where is China? We, we want to take a travel to China. They do not convince, we say, okay, there is a God. So where is he? How can we see him? How can we propose to him? How can we associate with him? How can we be united with him? So the difference between the philosopher and theologist and Sufi or the mystic is that the mystic uh, is not satisfied to know just uh, even with sure, you are sure that there is such a lady. So it has nothing to do with you. You have to take the sufferings of the travel, go to China, just like the, there is a very beautiful story in Masnavi of Rumi that uh, there are three brothers. They go to a very strange, wondrous castle where they see the picture of a beautiful lady. And then they just stand there for hours and hours, perplexed what to do. But after a time, they come out, and then they ask, when you come out, when you see the picture, then you ask, where is she? And then they start, we, we want to go to China. They wanted to travel around the world at first. But when they saw the picture, and Rumi says the picture is everywhere to be seen. He has put up his picture, all the arc ways of being. You can see the picture. So if you see the picture, then you have to be a traveler towards China. So Sadi also believes that uh, reason has its limitation. Reason is very reasonable when it can understand not to make judgment about things beyond reason. So would you want to... The friends start reading the first part, the way of the in intellect. The way of the intellect is all twists and turns. But the concern of the Gnostics 
is for God alone. See, see, twist and turn, he means that if you go the way of uh, reason, you have to go round and round in the labyrinth of arguments and you say, it is ad infinitum, this is vicious circle, this is impossible, this is possible, this is contingent, this is necessary. You see, it's all twists and turns. But for the, for the Gnostic, it is not exact translation, for the Gnostic, nothing exists but God. So there is no cause and effect. There are no two things. There are no arguments because he doesn't need any argument. For the Gnostic, it is all uh, apprehensy and it's all presence of God. Yes? This can be said to those who recognize realities. Though adherence of analogy may carp threat and say what then is heaven and what earth besides who are the sons of Adam and the beasts both wild and tame yes you see um, here the people of analogy would say well if there is, it is all God, then what is this, the earth? What is the sun? What is Adam? What is Eve? What is so many things in the world? They may carp you and they may criticize. But this is the answer. Sadi says, you, put, you posed a very good question. Now listen to the answer. Okay? Mm-hmm. Who are, sorry, a proper? Proper thing you've asked. Oh, prison one. I'll tell you, if you find the answer proper, the plain and the ocean, the mountain and the sky, Hari and man-child, demon and angel, all, whatsoever they be, are less than that, by virtue of whose being they utter beings Name. Yes, you see, they, ca- they can have no claim to being because they are all whatness. They have no claim to being. So whatever they are, they cannot put the name of being to, him, to themselves. Right? Monstrous before you, with its waves, lies the ocean. High is the sun, all ablaze at the zenith. Yet how shall the men of outward form discover that the lords of idea reside in a realm where even the sun counts not for an atom? And all seven oceans are not as one drop. So he says that uh, the lords of idea actually means Gnostics, the lords of meaning. You know, according to Rumi and Muhyiddin and all of them, uh, meaning is God. What is the meaning of meaning? Meaning means God, because everything has a meaning and that meaning also has an inner meaning until finally you come to God. If it doesn't end in God, the world is meaningless. Because the final meaning is God. It has to go and go and go and get to 
the creator of the world, uh, which is the meaning of the world. So the Lord of meaning and the Lord of idea, here idea is actually uh, in, in the sense used by uh, Hegel, Hegel, that um, all creation are clashing with each other, but they are moving towards the uh, final idea. The final idea is God. Yes? Realm, in a realm, that the lords of idea reside in. a realm means they are in, in a plane of being, is in a Malachi plane of consciousness, yes. Is that the Malakut or the... Yes, yes, yeah, it is actually Malakut or a higher level of Mulk. Mulk is the earth and the, the apparent world, the phenomenal world. But in, in, in a realm means in a climb or in a, in, in a plane or in a state of being, of consciousness. Actually, it needs an extended consciousness. Your consciousness, when it extends up to the, the wall and up to your friend and your family, then your, your consciousness is limited. But when your consciousness is freed to be bigger and bigger and extend and extend, then there you can see that the whole world, you can see the whole world in a grain of sand. Yes? When a sovereign of grandeur raises his standard, the world sinks its head in known beings cola. Yes, if that sun, even Hafez says that if that great sun would rise, our sun would disappear or would turn into a shadow. Aftab az ruyu shud dar hijab, sayera bashat hijab az aftab. All shadows would disappear when the sun rises because the shadows um, are lack of light. So when the sun rises, all shadows disappear. Uh, it is continued up to the next uh, title. S so far. So far seduced by the picture painter's beauty that they have no business with the beauty of the picture. <laughs> yes, he is again. Uh, it is. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. I am sorry. Uh, this is. Um, You've got to take that a little bit out. Oh, okay. This is on the next. Oh, I I see. So I think the next one is on love, intoxication, and delirium. Yes. Yes. So we can start from happy the days. From here, he is talking about lovers and the delirious and intoxicated people, how they behave and how they feel and what they are doing in this world, how they are connected with their Lord from moment to moment, and how they remember from the worlds before and the worlds after. You see, I, I read in English literature a definition of poetry. 
poetry speaks of the worlds before we were born and after we are dead. See, poetry speaks of worlds before us and after us, not, not from here. This is one of the definitions, of course. It doesn't mean that this world has no importance, but he wants to say that a, a poet is a person who remembers where he has been and who has a vague idea where he is going. And Sadi is just describing such people. Yes, uh, you see, when people uh, <coughs> see that a great standard, a great blazing sun is rising, then they would all hide themselves. The color means um, their head, yes. Yeah, they sink their head. They go down and then they disappear because they know that they cannot claim any being now. When such a standard of being, when they see that uh, the blazing sun, then this, the, the, the shadow, before the sunrise, the shadow would say that, well, I'm somebody. But then when it rises, it uh, just hides itself somewhere and draw his head down to his color. Can I, I still don't understand. Can you just one thing? But then what is... Do we as human beings have a contingent being? Or it, I mean, do we as human beings have being, or does it have to be achieved? I mean, is being... Yes? We have it. Yeah. Each individual. Yeah. We have that possibility, or it's a fact? It's a fact. You see, we have the being, but we cannot claim the being, because the being does not belong to us. You see, the being does not belong to us. Somebody has given it to us. And that is why in the Quran there is a verse that you are all beggars. You have nothing until you are given something. So you're only, you, uh, this is again a Quran and Islamic tradition, and Mohyeddin has referred to this, that whatever you have, the only treasure you have is the treasure of prayer. It's the treasure of wanting, the treasure of desiring. If you desire, then you are given. So the more you desire, the more you are given, because there is no uh, grudging in, in the grace of God. So uh, there is the story of a beggar who, when he died, he went to God and said, Oh God, I'm complaining about your servants and these people. Wherever I... God asked him, What have you brought for me? And then he got angry at God and said, well, what do you mean? When I was in the other world with people, wherever I went and asked something, they would say, well, God will give you. Go away. 
خدا بده you see God will is to give you but now that I have come here you are asking what you have brought what can I bring for you but what God says well when I say what you have brought it means what container have you brought a pitcher or a cup or uh, the bigger your container what have you brought to for for my grace to accept my grace yes But this, this idea of non-being here, it, it, is it related at all to what you were talking about yesterday about non-existence? Or it's a completely different concept here? No, it's the same. Oh, it is? No, it is not. Could we have another reader? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. On love, intoxication, and delirium. Happy the days of those delirious with care of him, whether they know wounds or yet the salve of him. Beggars they, of kingship shy, long-suffering in their beggary, in hope of him. Drop by drop they drain pain's draught, and if they find it bitter, draw their breath. In you see, um, it needs some small uh, commentary that, uh, you know, wine is bitter, right? Uh, wine is bitter. And uh, some commentators, some scholars on literature, they say, when Sadi and Hafiz, they are speaking of bitter wine, it cannot mean spiritual wine. So it is the same wine, it is grapes wine. They have an argument. But Sadi is answering that no, both of them are bitter. Because uh, trials and hardships come to the servant, to the devotee. And if they see it is bitter, they just bear it. Because then, after that, they would become intoxicated. Just like people who drink wine, they don't like the bitterness. But they actually take some maze uh, or uh, what you call it in English, uh, which is, uh, they say, I know, yes, nibble, it is, yes, the nibble, yeah. Uh, so, they bear it just for the sake of the happy state of intoxication later. So Sadi says that every moment they drink the wine. It has not translated the wine. Every moment they drink the bitter wine of adversity. Shakespeare says sweet are the uses of adversity. Which like a toad ugly and venomous, yet wears jewels on his head. So, Sadi says that uh, drop by drop they drink the bitter wine of adversity and they do not complain. Right? Fine wine's enjoyment brings the affliction of the morning after. The thorn is armor-bearer to the emperor of the rose. 
Yet no long sufferings bitter in recollection of him, for bitterness is sugar at the hand of friend. Yes. Those drunk, yes. Those drunk with their comrade must bear reproach, but then a drunken camel more likely bears his load. Yes. So because, uh, they, uh, you know, camels are intoxicated by music, by the bells which is uh, hanging on their, on their neck, and uh, these bells are arranged in such a way that the swifter they travel, uh, the better would the, the sound of the bell. So they become intoxicated with the sound. So no matter how heavy is, uh, they are loaded, they bear it. So Sadi says, these lovers of God also, when they are intoxicated, they can bear the heavy burden of life and the hardships, like a camel. Sabukhtar barad ushture mast bar. Right? His captive wills not from the bond to fly. His quarry seeks not liberation from the noose. Sultans, they in privacy, beggars, when abroad, knowers of the wayside halts, though having lost the track. How to their retiring room shall men find the way? For they, like the water of life, lie in darkness. It means you cannot find, it is very difficult to find these people. Not everybody can see them because they are in darkness, like the, the prophet Khazr, who went to to the, the realm of darkness. Uh, and in, in, in the heart of darkness, they would find the elixir of life. The elixir of life is in the heart of darkness. So that is why nobody knows these people, unless for those who might be initiated or might have the talent uh, so that they would unveil. Usually, they don't claim to be anybody to claim to be a lover. But of course, Rumi says a lover is like a camel on the minaret. <laughs> Nobody can, uh, you have no way but to see him. Uh, and that is true also, because a lover has certain signs and certain qualities that everybody in the course of time would understand that this person is different. Not through his beard or through a, a sort of uh, veil or garment or things like that. Because usually people try to, to um, show themselves in a certain attire. While the attire should be from within, from their soul, not from without. In fact, Shakespeare is chiding people that how is it that you, for your outside you are using such beautiful drapes, such beautiful garments, while your soul you are leaving naked and with no ornaments. Yes? Like to Jerusalem, within all adorned, yet having let its outer wall decay. Like the moth, they dash the fire upon themselves. 
not weaving a cocoon upon themselves as does the worm. With heart's delight in their embrace, yet do they seek him still, their lips with thirst are dry while on the stream's brink. Yes. I say not that they cannot reach the water, for they upon the Nile's shore would still be diabetic. Yes. You see, because um, in, as Rumi says, it is not, avarice is no good and greed is no good. But in one case, it is very good. And that is in case of love. If you love A and you love B, and then there is C, you love C as well. And that is why David had 99 wives. And still he wanted another one. Because love is 100%, it is not 99%. If you are a lover, not a single person should go out of your circle. You should draw the biggest circle in the world, and everybody is in the circle. As Sadi says, put no one out. So if, even if they are uh, living at the side, at the shore of Forat or a river, a great river, but still uh, they are uh, thirsty. It's unquenchable, ardent thirst. As Matthew Arnold, I remember, once says that they have such ardent quench, unquenchable thirst. Yeah? Shall we have somebody else from down the table? Yeah. Yes, please. Can we just finish your line darkness? Uh, page four. <coughs> if a man of love. If a man of love, you see, make yourself of slight account. If otherwise, then take the road of safety. The road to safety is what most people choose. Because they are safe, there is no hardship, they can enjoy all the pleasures of life. So they don't uh, go the, the, the hard way of... Uh, 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 humiliation, the hard way of uh, leaving their ambition, their greed. So if they follow these things, they would go to the safe way for themselves. So Rahe Salamat is the worst in Persian literature. It means the way to, to safety. You should, you should be always, you should endanger yourself. Uh, jeopardy is the work of the lover and risking. Fear not that the lover will turn, turn you to dust. For if he destroys you, you will be everlasting. No plant grows rightly from the sea unless its state first alters thee. Yes? Alone that, that grants you acquaintance with truth which first grant you release from self's own hand. Yes. If you want to find a master, the first lesson he has to give you and the first thing he has to do with you is to uh, relieve you from yourself. If a person can do that, then he is a master. That you are saved from the grasp of the devil within yourself. For while you're with yourself, to the self, you'll have no road, and only one beside himself of this 
Fine uh, this is again what Muhyiddin said, that if you go the way of the self, means the limited self, uh, the undisciplined self, the lustful self, the selfish self, you could say, if you, so far as you go that way, you will not know yourself, because yourself is somebody else. This is not you, this is the false Solomon. Not the minstrel only, but the sound of Hakor's feet provides ecstatic melody if love is yours and frenzy. A fly before a frenzied man has but to beat its wings for him, fly-like, to beat his hands above his head. See, if you look at a fly, it is constantly moving its uh, two, seems like two hands, it is on his head. And uh, a man of love, when he sees that uh, the fly is doing that, you say, oh, woe to me. He is just saying, woe to us. He is slapping himself on his own head. He's just slapping on his own head. It, he wants to say that every single little event is a message for him is a message for him. The flower, the, the, the thunder, the, the sunrise, even a fly can give him a lesson. And they don't need for their intoxication to drink wine or to listen to good music. Even when he was, he will, you will continue to see what he will say. No bass, no treble can the man of disturbed order recognize. And as the foul, uh, foul crows, so moans the man of poverty. It's not the singer who ever falls silent, but not at all times will the ear be open. He is very near to Shakespeare here that all the worlds are singing, and every little orb is an angel singing on the way. And there is such harmony in souls, but it is because of this uh, vesture of decay of our uh, of flesh, it is because of that we don't hear those eternal harmonies. But every moment the harmony, and, uh, which is in praise of God, is uh, to be heard, while they don't, people don't hear. The lovers only, they hear it. Yet when the frenzied ones adopt wine worship, they will go drunk upon a mill wheel's creaking. Yes, a mill wheel creaking, when they hear to a mill wheel creaking, when it's taking up the water or going down, then they would, uh, they would dance with it. It is actually Rumi was in the middle of bazaar, and there were some people just making some brass wear, and then the, some harsh sounds, but started turning around and whirling and bringing everybody to ecstasy and joy. That's they, what they are doing. The same thing is true with Ibn al-Faris, that once when he was passing by some ladies who were just washing um, clothes, and then as they were just singing some um, humming with themselves. Then he started dancing and he 
just created such a commotion in the whole city. And you can read also uh, the, the ode of, I think it is of Kitts, in Ode to the Grecian Urn, a Grecian Urn. He is so, in a, he has such an ecstasy when he sees that Grecian Urn, the beauty and the form, and he comes to joy and it, he is connected to eternal beauty through that urn. Again, yes. Back, yeah. after, round and round they wheel, and like it too, they weep most plaintively. Yes, because that cracking wheel, mill wheel, when it's coming up and down, uh, there's some water, it's, it seems as if they are beating, uh, shedding tears. So like those wheels, they shed tears, tears of joy, of course. All in surrender. Their heads in collar bowed, but when they can no more endure, their collars they will rend. Do not oh, you see, actually, Sadi somewhere else says, if they rend their collar, it is because they cannot find their soul, because they want to rend their soul. But since they cannot do that, they rend their garments. What is to rend your soul? To rend means, it means to tear it to pieces. Yourself. Yes, it means uh, this self uh, which is, uh, from which we have to be relieved. You have to turn it to, sh sh shackle it to pieces. If you do that, you do it through music. When you hear good music, it is torn to pieces. All the ambitions, all the greed, they are all torn to pieces. So he says, that's the bichare chon bejan narisat. He wants to tear his own life, but he cannot do that, then he turns his garments. Do not reproach the dervish, it is drunken stupefaction. He flails with feet and hands because he drowned. Yes, if you see somebody is doing like this or that, you might say, well, what is it? This is a madman. He is just doing this or that. You don't know that he is drowning. He is in an ocean. <laughs> he is drowning. That is why he is. So when they dance, when they come to Sama, it is not a question of rising and dancing. It is just um, the harmony between body and the soul. When the soul comes into joy and rejoicing, then the body must do something. So they are turning around and jumping this way and that way. So it looks like a person who is drowning in the water. He does everything this way and that way. You see, he sees um, this. Um, it seems to be beside himself with joy. And uh, when the joy, the bigger the joy, the more place you need. Because if you are happy, if you're sad, then you are very small. So you become like this. And, but then you hear a good news, and then you come a little bit. And then if the news is uh, much more good tiding, then you rise. And then you start dancing. And then if 
the joy is too much, then you need more and more place. And Rumi says, the whole world is too small for me to dance. I have to jump out. Because I want to make a dance that it needs. The, not this world is not sufficient place for dancing. I, I need some other world, a, a wider world to dance. The خوشدلی و ترب در جهان نمی گنجم ولی زه چشم خرد همچو خرق پنهانم همچو خیز پنهانم Yes I'll not say brother what makes ecstatic melody The rose is scattered by the moontide winds but would the axe alone can split you see, there are some people who are like uh, the trunk of a tree. They would not come to pieces except by uh, an axe. You have to, uh, with hard strike, may split to two, even sometimes they don't. But those who are refined, the gentlest breeze, they are like flowers, the gentlest breeze, Put them asunder. See, so he says um, the rose is scattered by the moontide wind, means the, the softest wind. But wood, the axe alone can split. Some people are wood, and some worse than that are stone. They are stone. Yes, and some people are even worse than a stone, according to a verse in the Quran. Then your, your heart became harder and harder until it becomes like a stone, and then it is worse than a stone, because some stones just fall down, but your heart never falls down, out of fear of your Lord. Full of ecstatic melodies, the world, intoxication, frenzy, too. Yet what sees the blind man in the mirror? Do you not see how a camel, when coaxed by the Arabs, is brought to dance by the sound of minstrelsy? Yes, coaxed by the Arabs because they have a special um, song and melody used for camels. They sing it. And then they coax the camel to um, go swifter and to be loaded heavier. So, uh, Sadi wants to say, even a camel can understand uh, the melody and the harmony and comes to joy and rejoices with it. So if a man is not intoxicated, is not aroused by sound, he is less than an ass. You see, you can read it. And if a camel's head knows frenzy, Minstrelsy, the man whose head does not announce. Yeah. Mm. So this is a story of a young boy who was playing reed, flute reed, and his father, who was a prejudicious and fanatic, every time he heard his son playing the flute. He set the flute to fire. 
But once he heard, he he hearkened, he listened really to the to the melody, and then he was converted. And then he said, every time I put the flute to fire, and this time the flute set me to fire. So this is the story. You can read. Uh, we'll Father converted by his son's music making, a, a youth sugar-lipped with practice on the reed, and, and thereat hearts aflame like reeds would burn. His father ever and again would rant at him, astringently setting to that reed of his fire. But one night he listened to his son's performance, and that ecstatic tune disturbed and stupefied him. Said he, the sweat shed on his countenance. This time the reeds set fire to me. Know you not why those of frenzied state, intoxicated, cast their hands asunder in the dance? A door they, <coughs> a door they open in the heart to pass divine contingencies. Their hands, tips, they throw wide to extend beams. So he is interpreting the way they dance. When they, they, they are uh, moving their hands, uh, Sadi says, you don't know why they, are, why they are doing that. Because every moment their heart is opened for, for divine light. And then they are beside themselves with joy. And then um, they leave the whole world. They would say, well, we don't need. We don't need. See, they just throw everything away when they receive uh, the beauty of their beloved, the light of the beauty of their beloved. He is allowed to dance in recollection of a friend, the one who in each sleeve has a soul. Even suppose you are a manly swimmer, only when stripped can you beat hands and feet. Shed, then, the habit of a good name, renowned and fraudulent pretense. For powerless is one whose clothes and sure to drown. Attachment is a veil and yields you nothing. And if you part the bonds at union, you'll arrive. Yes. You know, being closed means being selfish and being, having a cover uh, towards uh, divine light. You see, so when you want to, to swim in the ocean of divinity, it is better uh, not to wear anything because then you can better swim. Even if you are a good swimmer, you can swim better without clothing. Because this clothing is the veil between man and God. Rumi says, I have become naked and my beloved has become naked. Now we can get united. I have become naked because naked from the body. I put aside my body. Man shodam oryan zetan u as khial. And he had, he was, she was also wearing a veil of fantasy. So, so he left the veil, I left the veil, now we can unite. So we are both naked. He is naked from fantasies because most of the time, we see God in the garment 
the nature is the garment of God. So if you take off the, the garment, then you will see God. If you look at the nature and don't see the tree, don't see the, the meadows, don't see the sky, you take off the garment of nature and then you will see God and you will feel his presence. Mrs. Elizabeth Barrett Browning, she says that every night I lie in the bosom of my beloved, in the bosom of my Lord. Yes? Since love that's founded upon air is such a mischief rouser enforcing its behest, why your wonder at the fairers on the way when they're engulfed beneath ideas sea? In passion for the soulmate soul, they're careless of their own. In recollection of the beloved, careless of the world. Mindful of the truth alone, they flee his creation. So drunk with the cupbearer, they spill their wine. They, with no medicine, should be treated. For none is rightly advised wherein their suffering lies. Am I not, from everlastings ever in their ears, while they cry out the call of ye, said they, an ever-active band, yet seated privily. Dust-covered are their feet, and all afire their breath. With one roar they remove a mountain, with one complaint a city they upset. Like the wind are they, concealed yet nimbly darting, like stones they are silent, yet rosary reciting. In the dawning they weep so amply that the water washes sleep's antimony away from their sight. Their amount they kill by hard night riding. Then, in the dawn, cry they are stranded. Night and day they're in the sea of passion and of flame, and know not in their agitation night from day. So far seduced by the picture painter's beauty that they have no business with the beauty of the picture. You see, most people see the picture and praise the picture, but they don't see the painter. And Sadi says, uh, they are so engrossed, they are so enthralled by the beauty of the painter that they forget about the painting. If they see the painting, it's later as the work of the painter. First they see the painter. And uh, in another poem, Sadi says, نقاش جهان این همه صورت که بپرداخت the great painter of the world who has created so many images and paintings, he has done that so that you see the painting and worship the painter. The singer, not the song. I thought the Yes, yes. Later, later, when you come to know the singer, you find that the song is the singer coming down, descending to a lower level. Actually, there is no cause and effect. The effect is the cause. The painting is the painter coming down in the world of form, in the world of color, in the realm of color. Suppose you are, you are happy. Happiness uh, is not to be seen. You are happy. But when it comes down, 
your happiness, then you go to, to piano and start playing. Then this music is you. You are coming down in your music. So this is what Sadi and Rumi and Muhyiddin as well. He says that uh, uh, there is no duality of cause and effect. There is no duality of creator and created. The, create, the creature and the created is actually the creator coming down at another level, another realm. He is coming down in the realm of form. So when Sadi says and Hafiz that when God wants to make love with himself, he has created Lely and Majnun and Romeo and Juliet so that they would do it in the realm of form. They are doing here what they, he wants he is doing in heaven. So this is another level of the same being. You are right. So there is one more story. I, I wonder if we can uh, finish it or not. But if not, we can just read the last story uh, on page 8, which is a very uh, interesting story about the unity of being, in the words of Sadi. The last, the last story, how well, yes, who would read it, that, that one? Shall I? Yes, please. This last one. Yeah. How well. How well the brocade weavers lad did observe when he'd produced phoenixes, elephants, giraffes. No picture from my hand emerges, but first my master up above designed it. Whether yours of bad estate or good a picture be, it is delineated by the hand of his ordaining. A sort of crypto-polytheism it is, no less, to say, Zed me molested, Amr injured me. For if behest's own lord upon you sight bestows, no more Zaid's picture you will see, nor that of Amr. Yes, if you say that such and such person has molested me, this is polytheism, <laughs> according to Sadi, because uh, you are believing in someone else, because there is no Zaid, there is no Jack, there is no John uh, to hurt you. Whatever comes is coming directly from him. This person is only the messenger. He is bringing some wrath of God in his face to you to see that. So don't say that such and such person has molested me or has done this or that, because if you find your real sight, you will see only God and you will not see Zaid and Amr. It's like turning the other cheek, huh? Pardon? Turning the other cheek. Yes. Yeah. So, I think if you have time, we can read the story of Ayaz, which is a very interesting story. You know, Ayaz was a page servant of Sultan Mahmoud Ghaznavi. It is very famous, it is more famous in Persian literature than the story of Romeo and Juliet. The love of Sultan Mahmud for Ayaz. It was not uh, a homosexual or things like, things like that. It was really a pure intellectual love, 
platonic love between Sultan Mahmud. Of course, Sultan Mahmud, they mean God. In, in there are many stories by Rumi that when he is, he is speaking of Sultan Mahmud, it is, he is a symbol of God. Again here, Ayaz is his servant, his devotee. And somebody comes to Sultan Mahmud and says, well, how is it that you love this boy so much? He is not beautiful, he is dark, of dark face, and his features are not exceptional. He is just an ordinary page. How is it that? Then he answers. Uh, would you read this, please? Ayaz, fidelity to... Emandi. Oh, see? A man began... Ah, oh, sorry, yeah, there. Yes. A man began to carpet the emperor of Ghazna. Ayaz, for a wonder, wants for any beauty. Yet when a rose wants colour and also scent, strange is the nightingale's melancholy for it. This tale was told by someone to Mahmud, who much did writhe in his concern. My love, good masters, is for his nature only, not for his height and goodly stature. I have heard that in a defile once a camel fell and smashed a chest of pearls. The king cast wide his sleeves that all might share. And said, the king said, well, everybody can take whatever he wants because one of the casts, one of the uh, sanduk uh, was broken and the jewels and pearls were dispersed everywhere and the king just... Um, allowed anybody to take whatever he wants. He said that it is, is for Yagamo, this is for, for ravaging of people, whatever you like. So everybody went for the jewel. But the only person who was coming after the king was Ayaz. Now, Rohan, please. Uh -huh. And then drove hence his mount in haste. The riders went off after pearls and coral both scattering from the ruler in search of spoil. Of all those neck-lifting henchmen, there stayed not one at the king's nape but Ayaz. Mahmud then looked at him and said, Heart-taker, devious one, what did you get of spoils? He answered, Nothing. I was all the while in a gallop at your nape. Nape. Not neglecting service for the sake of enrichment. If yours be proximity in the hall of audience, ignore... He says, what jewel is better than the proximity of the king? So I'm, I'm following the king. So he concludes that uh, between man and God, between the devotees of God and God, they should not in be engaged with the bounties of God. If you are invited to a house, where there is a beautiful lady, a fair maid, then don't satisfy yourself by eating some sweets and things. Go after the sweet lady. So God is the sweet lady. <laughs> so don't be satisfied with the bounties of God. Bounties of God will, will deprive you from himself. Yes? If yours be proximity in the hall of audience, ignore not the emperor for robes of honour's sake. Such procedure violates the way, for saints do not desire of God but God. If to your friend's beneficence you have an eye and not to him, to self you are in bondage, not bound by the friend. 
So long as your mouth stands open for greed, no secret will reach your heart's ear from the world unknown. Truth is a mansion all decked out. Fancy and appetite are but the dust arising. See you not that where dust rises, the sight sees not, although a man be sighted. See, he wants to say that reason has eyes to see and to distinguish, and the main function of reason is to distinguish and to discern between things. But when you raise dust of greed, of ambition, then even if you have uh, healthy eyes, you don't see anything. So that is why reason doesn't work in that case. Yes? I wonder if uh, we have some more time to discuss things or, or to read in, uh, any new part. Yes, you can discuss things, yes. You see, first of all, you see that whatever Sadi says is quite near. And the same jargon, the same ideas, the same frenzied feeling, the same heart, the same love of Muhyiddin al-Arabi. And this is the, the picture I can explain a little bit for you. You see, Sadi says that uh, once I went to the garden and I saw a friend of mine collecting a bunch of flowers, of different flowers, and in, it, in his lap and is going to carry it home. And I said, what is that you are carrying? He said, well, there are flowers of sweet, sweet perfume. I said, well, but after a few days, they would lose color and their perfume would come to an end. What can you do? And then um, autumn is coming and then there would no, uh, you will find no sign of the flower anymore. The man came to himself and said, then what can I do? He said, I can give you a bunch of flower that will never, uh, that will ever stand, stand and the uh, ravage of time and the ravage of uh, uh, autumn and fall. And then he wrote this book. You see, he is just explaining how it happened that he wrote this book of Rose Garden. This is a rose garden that are 700 years. It is uh, still fresh and fragrant and we can just get the scent of spirituality and love from his words. And this uh, question of um, immutability, that is the, the tragedy of the world. The main tragedy of the world is mutability and it needs to be cured by such people like Hafez and Sadi and Rumi that if you are afraid that things will pass by. You have heard this poem by uh, Robert Herrick. He says, oh my dear, I look at my constancy and face. I have been loving you for three whole days now. 
and I'm going to love you for another three days if the weather is good. <laughs> see? So Sadi says, it is gol hamin panj ruz shesh boshat. Flower is five or six days. Vin golestan hamin shekhosh boshat. But this rose garden will ever be sweet and good. Dr. Gomshi, is the, in, in the Iranian tradition, this teaching, teaching through poetic metaphor, which is so beautiful and so lovely and so rare in England because we don't do it. <laughs> but is that a tradition of, of, is that very much a tradition of Iran, this teaching with poetry, through poetry? Well, it has ever been a tradition in Iran, but uh, of course I can say that recently it is uh, disappearing gradually. It is disappearing because um, people have become scholars and they make very deep uh, research work and hair-splitting discussions and arguments. Uh, it, is, uh, it reminds me of a story by Rumi that uh, once uh, a person slapped somebody on his back of neck and then run away. The man ran after him and got him by the collar and said, well, I have to revenge myself. What, why did you do that? He said, okay, if you want to beat me, okay, but first I have a question. You answer me and then you can beat me. He said, what is the question? He said, when you uh, gave me the strike, a talk, some sound was heard. I want to see if it was from your hand or from my neck. <laughs> see, the man said, well, you have, I, I am now suffering from some pain. So you have no pain, you can think about this. There are people who have no pain of love, no, no malady of love. So they just think about hair-splitting things, and they have no, not that zest and zeal of poetry. They just say that this is in such and such uh, rhythm, for a lot on, for a lot on, for a lot on. But even that rhythm can be brought to dance and to to frenzy. When I teach in Iran, um, I think I can show you a piece of my paintings about rhythm. You know, rhythm in Persian poetry is much richer. It is richer than English poetry or European poetry. Because um, in, in England, in English poetry, we have four different rhythms, iambic and others, and Trochiak, it's either the first one um, unstressed, the second is stressed. Or two unstressed and one stressed. And, but mostly it is 90% of the cases is one soft and one hard. That time of year thou mayst in me behold. To be or not to be, see, the second syllable is, is a stress. But in Persian, it is, uh, there is more than 50 different rhythms. You can dance with it. It goes with the music. It better goes with the music. See, uh, Rumi said, I was dead. He's speaking about when he happened to see Shams. He said, I was dead. I came to life. I was sorrowful. I became all happiness. 
دولت عشق آمد و من دولت پاینده شدم and when he is he has so much joy he has chosen a rhythm دام دادا دام دام دادا دام مرده بودم زنده شدم گریه بودم خنده شدم دولت عشق آمد و من دولت پاینده شدم دام دادا دام زیر you can dance with it it shows the 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 state of mind because rhythm in persian poetry has a great role to play one is to give you the mood whether you are in a happy mood whether you are a thoughtful mood whether you are in a melancholy mood so rumi most of the time in a happy mood has very dynamic rhythm and i have turned these rhythms into painting a pictorial expression of rhythm see this is one of them you see this is another one this is uh, again dum dada dum 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 dada dum dum dada dum see it turns round and you go on and this is another one there are about 50 of them this is another rhythm Pardon? Did you draw those yourself, that your artwork? Yes, uh, of course. I did it uh, with a friend who was acquainted with computer and Photoshop. So I gave the idea and the form and the basic concept, and then he uh, made it into these forms, and then I got a print. This is a very interesting rhythm. Da da dum, da dum, da dum, dum. You see, three, two, two, one. Da da dum, da dum, da dum, dum. Da da dum, da dum, da dum, dum. The dodi, the khun, feshonam, the kamat, shabit, judoi. This is by Araki. So, unfortunately, these days, they say, well, this is when they are speaking about rhythm. There is no taste in it. There is no life in it. There is no uh, joy in it. They just give you some information, some information about the way the syllable is stressed or unstressed and like that. Uh, but uh, I am happy that in Iran, people follow my lectures uh, every week. Of course, my lectures are not for TV. I give lectures here and there in universities and then they, it is get, it's got recorded and then they broadcast it. But from children of 10 years old to all other ages, three generations, uh, this, the grandmother and the daughter and the grandson, they sit and listen to, to literature because literature has a deep impression on the heart of Iranian people. You can fascinate them by poetry if you actually yourself enjoy it. Yes. But the tradition, unfortunately, is getting um, faded. It is fading away in the course of time. But you, you know, you 
how much you know Shakespeare and that you're always referring back to Shakespeare when you're speaking about his poetry because... Yeah. You, know, you know, I'm not a Shakespearean, but I love Shakespeare. And really, I love Shakespeare as much as I like Sadie. And I believe that Shakespeare is one of the rarest uh, writers of the world. He is exceptional, particularly as far as music is concerned. Uh, he has special songs and rhythms, um, very exceptional. And he has said wondrous things about music, like Rumi. I know, I was thinking about that tonight, and I thought, you know, here you can go in and like Google for Shakespeare and just have a key word like music. Yeah. Probably mm. reams and reams would come up with all the quotations from all the plays. I mean, it would be yeah. quite something. <laughs> yes, they are so beautiful. <laughs> when I hear foul is fair, fair is foul, yeah. hover in the Fog and mills and filthy air. Oh, mistress mine, where are you roaming? Oh, say and hear your true love is coming, who can sing both high and low. But it, it stops the intellect, doesn't it? It just stops it because the beauty. Yes, yes, the beauty enthralls you. Yeah, yeah, stops the reason. Yes, the. What they call here fraudulent practice, yeah. fraudulent pretense, <laughs> and good renown. Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you. Dr. Golshi, my last question. <laughs> yes, please. You please stay longer. Why can't you stay longer? <laughs> that is my question. But on behalf of everybody, thank it's you. It's ever a pleasure for me to find such good friends here in London, and I really appreciate and thank God for this gathering. Yeah. Well, it, was, it was lovely. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, uh, I wonder if I got you properly or not. Um, You've quoted certain authors, haven't you? Yes. Certain authors. Yes. But are there folk tales in the, in the villages, for example, the, the, are there folk tales which survive now and, and orally? I doubt. Because right. particularly these days, if there existed such people anywhere in the world, in any village, people would find him and would appreciate him. I doubt if there are such people. But of course, in the villages around in Iran, uh, there are still people, strange people, who can bring you to joy with when they recite poetry. Because reciting poetry in Iran is an art. Is an art. And my father himself, when he recited poetry, all would like to listen because the very fascination of his voice and charm of his voice, even without the meaning. We, we were a small child when he started reciting Shahnameh or Rumi for us. But we enjoyed it very much just because he acted it out. He dramatized the poetry. When he, he actually rose to say, amigram, amigram. If you call me a prince, then I am a prince. <laughs> if you say you should die, I will die. 
You see, so he acted it out. So I heard a program recently, apparently, that an oral tradition still exists in parts of Turkey and in the west coast of Ireland. The old stories are still told in Turkey. In some parts of Turkey, in some parts of Turkey, they still have, probably very isolated, but nevertheless, it's existing. I think it's better to read a, uh, a shorter passage, number 33, page 75. It is a cut reign by Omar Khayyam with a number of translations, with five translations. But it gives one of the messages of uh, Muhyiddin al-Arabi, before Muhyiddin al-Arabi, a religious uh, message that still many people don't understand around the world. You see, it is passage number 33, Roba'i, or Katrain from Khayyam. Will you read the, the passage? <coughs> And this I know, whether the one true light, kindled to love or wrath, consume me quite. One flash of it within the tavern court, better than in temple lost outright. This is exactly what later Hafez said, that if I go to the tavern, but I'm with God, it is much better than to go to the mosque and be a hypocrite and be completely negligent of my Lord. So I think it's better to read other translations as well. In tavern better for commune with thee than pray in mosques and fail thy face to see. O first and last of all thy creatures thou, tis thine to burn and thine to cherish me. Yes. This translation is nearer to the text. There is a reference to Koran, that thou art the first and thou art the last of all being. This has come in the Quran that God is the beginning and the end, is the first and the last. So Hayyam says, O thou who art the first and the last, whatever you want to do with me, I would say that I want to be with you even if it is in a tavern. I just get a ray of it, it's better than lose it completely in, in, the, in the mosque. The third translation. In some low inn I'd rather seek thy face than pray without thee toward the niche's place. O first and last of all, as thou dost will, burn me in hell or save me by thy grace. Yes, and the last the two ones is better. Better at tavern and with wine to lay thee all my secrets bare than to intone the parrot prayer and thou not with me in the shrine. Thy name is last and first to tell, whatever is, save thee is nil. Then cherish me, if so thy will be done, or burn my soul in hell. As you see, Professor Arbery, I think, is the best translator of Persian literature, and he has written many, many books on Persian literature. One of them is Persian classical literature, which I recommend if you want to get um, the basic idea about great Persian poets. Um, uh, 
Persian classical literature by Arbery. He has just um, given a commentary on the on the quatrain. That's a parrot prayer, which people just like a parrot. They don't know what they say. They recite it in Arabic. There are still people in Iran who read the Quran without knowing Arabic, and they read and read and read, and then they come to to the end, and then they are satisfied that, oh, I have finished uh, the holy book, <laughs> while they have n not understood the word of it. So um, Arbery is best um, as far as um, his tales on Rumi. He has written tales from Masnavi and more tales from Masnavi. There are two books. I recommend that as well, tales from Masnavi. You can get it in London, surely. Uh, Tales from Masnavi and more tales from Masnavi. And also he has translated the discourses of Rumi, which are wonderful uh, passages uh, in prose. Because most people know Rumi by his poetry, but he has written fantastic prose. And uh, actually Arbery says, I don't know, I wonder when Rumi was writing this, this, these discourses, where has he been sitting in this uh, world of so much upset of the attack of the Mughals? And where Rumi was sitting when he was writing this, that it seems as if he was in heaven. So uh, the last translation. I would rather in the tavern with thee pour out all the thoughts of my heart than without thee go and make my prayer unto heaven. This truly, O creator of all things present and to come, is religion. Whether thou castest me, in, castest me into flames or makest me glad with light of thy countenance. Yes, all of them give the idea, but I think translation of Fitzgerald is most beautiful. It is a part of English literature, in fact. It is so, mm, he has been so fussy about words, and uh, somewhere he has written, Fitzgerald has written, that I wish people would know how much I have suffered how much I have tried to give uh, the proper, uh, to, to properly translate these words. So I hope next time we will, I mean, we have two more sessions and I am preparing some more uh, interesting pieces from Persian literature to compare with that of uh, Muhyiddin. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome.